on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. We covered lots about bots, the robot's exclusion protocol, that is. We talked about Facebook's new and improved estimated reach for custom audiences. Jess tried to have me change careers to be an AR cosmetics tester. <laughs> and Greg spewed some incredible jokes even the founding fathers would have loved. Did you know what George Washington's favorite tree was? Cherry. The infantry. <laughs> All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on July 5th. 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. Yes, and if you want to follow along with us, just check out our show notes. Head over to marketingoclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And hopefully, y'all had a great 4th of July. And I was talking with my kids. And did you know why there are no 4th of July knock knock jokes? No. Because freedom rings. Wow. Your kids told you that? No, no. Oh. I just, I was Googling bad jokes before the show here. That was a good joke. <laughs> that, oh, it was. I uh, think okay. so. All right. By well, my standards. You don't want to hear any of the bad jokes then, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's get into the news and a big thanks for Shep for jumping in and covering for me last week. And this week, we've got a lot of news about the robots exclusion protocol. I promise we'll make it interesting and quick as <laughs> this can be a little bit heavy here, mm -hmm. but the robots exclusion protocol has been around for 25 years now and it's never turned into an official internet standard. So all the different engines and developers have had to interpret the protocol differently because there's no set standard. So Google has gone and proposed a new robots exclusion protocol draft. And this is great That's because nice. it's going to be something that if adopted, there's going to be a standard out there. I read through the entire draft, very straightforward stuff, yeah. nothing, no red herrings or anything <laughs> like that. But there were a few different notes just that were included in the standard. And one that was important is that if you are crawling a robots.txt file, you can't cache that for more than 24 hours if there is an available version of it. So you can't just keep it once. You have to keep looking at it every 24 hours unless the robots.txt is unreachable. Then you can use a cached version. Hmm. A few other things that were of note is that if the robots.txt is unreachable due to server or network errors, this means the robots.txt is undefined and the crawler must assume complete disallow. Oh. For example... In the context of HTTP, an unreachable robots.txt has a response code in the 500-599 range. So if that happens, you got to disallow crawling of the site. Um, if there's an unreasonably long period of time, their example in the draft is 30 days, clients can assume that it's unavailable or use that cache copy. So that's something that I thought was interesting there. Mm -hmm. And then also, if there is something in that file, you have to use the longest match. The longest match means that if you've got something to say allow forward slash page forward slash, and then you've got disallow forward slash example one forward slash page forward slash. You have to go with the longer example, not what's placed higher or lower, anything like that. It's what's more specific you have to go with. That so makes sense. In that, in that case, you have different directives there. We have to go with the more specific one in this draft, which again, hasn't been approved yet. I like that, though. I yes. feel like that, that makes sense because you don't always put things necessarily in order of hierarchy. Right. And I kind of skipped over the robots.txt file in general <laughs> and the protocol. The goal of this is to show it, it was made back in 1994 when, you, when there was a certain webmaster, let me grab his name here, Martin Coaster, and he wanted to basically stop crawlers from overwhelming his site at the time. And so you can say, don't visit this page, don't crawl here. You can have crawl delay, though that wasn't in the draft here. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, you can say, stay out of this spot of the site. Don't crawl this, and um, so on and so forth. So again, it's a nice that this is 
an effort to be standardized. For sure. And there's some some changes, some things to look at there, and you can get to everything in the show notes. Sticking with the robots.txt theme here, Google's robots.txt parser is now open source. So Google is open sourcing the portion that parses through those robots.txt files. The statement from Google says, we've opened the C++ library that our production systems use for parsing and matching rules in the robots.txt files. So if you wanna see exactly how Google interprets those files, you can head over to GitHub and see everything. It's now open source, which is cool. And then lastly, Google came out with another <laughs> robots.txt article called A Note on Unsupported Rules in Robots.txt. And Gary Yeesh from Google had initially, a few months ago, asked about the fact if people are using no index directive within their robots.txt file. And for people that don't know what that means is, not only do you say don't crawl this, but don't, we want to say don't index these pages, and people were doing this, and it was being viewed mm -hmm. um, or, or, or leveraged, let's say, uh, within the robots.txt file. Gary had said that there was less than 0.001% of people who were using this noindex directive within the robots.txt file. Again, very technical, <laughs> but it's not going to work anymore. So you've got some alternative options. Yeah, well, it's uh, a small number of folks, thankfully, right? Yes. It's very I, small. The math on that, I think, checks out to being small. <laughs> but I mean, again, for the internet, like that might be huge. That could be, yeah, that, yeah. that could be at least and, four people. And the funny thing is on Twitter, everybody's like, oh, I need this. It's, it's so important. And no. it, it does make sense if it was to be standardized because, as you know, there can be many issues when you use a robots meta tag to say no index this page. It goes on the page and you have to use tools to identify these things and it's a little bit sloppier than having everything in one location to be like, mm -hmm. hey, don't index any of this stuff. So I get what people are saying, but everybody was was up in arms back at the time. At least that's what it seemed like. But anyway, it's gone. So yeah. you've got some options. <laughs> you can use no index in the robots meta tags. You can simply get rid of the page. You can 404 it, 410, uh, status code it. You can password protect it. You can disallow it in robots.txt, as mm -hmm. we know, which is different than no indexing it. There's also the search console remove the URL tool. So you still have options. You just can't do it all in one spot, which some people were doing. Some people. Very few people. Very few. 0.001%. Like That's so small. Well, we don't know. We don't know. But yeah, I like that Google went ahead and gave everybody lots and lots of alternatives. It's like, find one of these solutions that works for you guys. Everything's going to be okay. I like it because it's a slow news week. Yeah. <laughs> we have something to talk about here. All right? We don't miss a beat. We don't miss a week here. And thanks to Google for giving us some content to cover here. We actually have a, a packed show. So Yeah, we got lots to talk about. And speaking of, let's move on to Facebook. So you might remember a little over a year ago, I think at this point, Facebook had removed their reach estimates for custom audiences due to a what they called a vulnerability. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean you do? Yeah. <laughs> so some researchers at the time had found out that it was possible to potentially ascertain certain details about users in a list if there was that reach estimate. So Facebook got rid of it. Back in the day, you used to get really creepy when you could limit it to a very certain number of people, a very small number. We'll have to find the, the link to it, but I remember one guy was being very creepy to like his girlfriend and sending oh. funny messages via Facebook ads because the limit was like 10 at the time. That's crazy. And so he put in nine fake accounts, one his girlfriend. Again, this is pre-last year. Yeah, but, but that's, that's creepy and also I know, genius. So how far we've come. <laughs> that's far. what I think of every time we, we talk about these counts is that that was a brilliant thing. And then he posted about it and it all got taken away like it always does. Well, of course, but that's a bummer. So yeah, if we could find that article, we'll put it in the show notes. That'd be fun to see. So things have changed, obviously, as you said, and they're bringing this tool back. So Facebook said this week that people's privacy is incredibly important to Facebook. We know they've said that before. And we take any potential abuse of our services very seriously. Last year, when researchers found this issue, we suspended it. And after working with those researchers to address the issue, we are now reinstating it. It 
it being the tool, not the issue. So <laughs> good. <laughs> That's a good feature. Yeah, right? Give me the tool back, not the Give problem. Me the tool. Exactly. So if you're wondering what's changed, basically they put some new rate limits in place um, among some other things that will help with privacy. So they did say that these new restrictions won't affect most advertisers. So unless you're really, really wild with your audiences, you won't feel any of these changes, but you will feel the helpfulness of having your reach estimates back. I like having more information rather than less, but I'm I'm going to say I didn't really miss it. I was still using my custom audiences and then making adjustments based on the results I saw once things were live. But, you know, good to have it back, I guess. Thank you, Facebook. All right. And that does it for the news this week. And Jess, have you noticed that <laughs> I'm a little more positive? I, I was out for a week. I listened to the show last week with you and Shep. And you guys were so positive that it's just, it's coming right here to me. So if I start going off the tracks, put me right back on, we're on positivity lane. Positivity this week? I, I feel like you're joking. No, I'm positive. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be positive this week. Okay. All right. And that brings us to this week's take of the week, which is why I gave you that warning. The take of the week <laughs> is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. First take of the week. We have two this week because the first one was too negative. So I'm Mr. Positivity. I got a good I like one to it. end on. Right. Compliment sandwich. Is sort of. from the one and only Aaron Wall of SEO Book. I somehow missed it, but he's blogging again, which is amazing. And he wrote an article called Amped Up for Recapture, where he was very frustrated, perturbed, <laughs> angry, mad about an issue with Recapture <laughs> where he couldn't go ahead and make a sale. It's a fantastic article. You need to read this. But there was something, and then it leads up to the, this take here. So I'm going to read a little slice of mm -hmm. his article and then hit you with the take. Anything that is easy to implement and widely marketed often has costs added to it in the future as the entity moves to monetize the service. This is a private equity firm buying up multiple hosting control panels then adjusting prices. And he links over to the cPanel example. This is Google Maps drastically changing their API terms. This is Facebook charging you for likes to build an audience, giving your competitors access to those likes as an addressable audience to advertise against, and then charging you once more to boost the reach of your posts. This is Grubhub creating shadow websites on your behalf and charging you for every transaction. Settling for the easiest option drives a lack of differentiation, embeds additional risk, and once the dominant player has enough market share, they'll change the terms on you. Small gains in short-term margins for massive increases in fragility. And here comes my, my, the take. <laughs> we just had to lead up. That was earlier in the article. Here comes the take. If the tech platforms host copies of our sites, process the transactions, and even create their own currencies, how will we know what level of value they are adding versus what they're extracting? Who measures the measurer? I'm glad you're not the one that said that because that's not positive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's a great article. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at, the, at the bright side of things. But we talk about this all the time. You see people mm. saying, oh, I'm going to go put my site on Medium. Oh, I'm going to go set up my Facebook group. Oh, no. let's put all of our money there, our Facebook page. I just thought that that easiest option many times is easy for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. It's a great article. It's a great take. And now to a more positive note, I threw an extra one in here. It's, it's the 5th of July, folks. We have different rules. <laughs> Get excited. And this comes from the one and only Ryan Jones on Twitter. He said, bad SEOs say, how do I make this site rank for this term? Good SEOs ask, what do people searching this expect? And then go build that. Mwah. Can I get an amen? Yeah, amen. All That's right. so inspiring. I know. That's and I nice think note. about that all the time. Right? Build what people are searching and what they expect. Yeah. Listen to Ryan. Absolutely. If you build it, they will come, right? That's from yeah. a movie. Kevin I don't know Bacon what movie. Kevin Bacon said that once. Did he? No, I think it was uh, Kevin Costner. I, one of the Kevins. I don't know. My mom says it all the time. She doesn't know what it's from either. And yeah. I always ask her. Field now of I Dreams. Is that a baseball movie? Uh, it's a corn movie. Really? Yeah. A Jonathan, field of Jonathan Smith. <laughs> oh, Jonathan Davis? Oh, whatever. Corn the Band. <laughs> corn, corn the Band, With the movie, Kevin the Costner. field. Yes. All right. And that corny segment brings us to this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. 
not as good as what Shep did last week. She's the pew pew champ. But at this point in the show, we split up our content into two parts, paid and non-paid, where I cover everything to do with advertising, aka paid, and Greg covers the organic or (laughs) non-paid. So here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. First up, LinkedIn feels advertisers' pain, and they're here to help. This comes from an article on Digiday this week that outlines some new ad targeting options in the pipeline for LinkedIn. They include things like retargeting users that have engaged with one of your LinkedIn ads, better geographical targeting, and possibly even event-based remarketing for things like percentage of video views watched, or not video views watched, percentage of video watched. There's no official timeline on this, but it looks like later into this year and then even into 2020, advertisers can expect to see some of these new features rolling out. I like the fact that they care that their advertisers want more and they're trying to work on that and give that to them. I yes. Think that's nice. And I know this has been slow and we've been a little mm-hmm. critical of it after you see somebody like Kiora just flying out of the gate with innovation everywhere. everywhere. But hey, remarketing, retargeting on LinkedIn, especially for people that have interacted with specific elements, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, so. slow is better than never. Cough, cough, Twitter. Yep. You, you, you interacted with this funny business meme. Here's another one for you, fella. <laughs> Amen. (laughs) Moving on from pain to fear, apparently Google Ads is trying to use the whole here's what your competitors are doing that you aren't to drive some folks to implement their beautiful recommendations. They do that? They do that. Oh, I haven't heard of that before. (laughs) They do that a lot. Um, (laughs) Maybe I'll have to listen to a show maybe two weeks ago. Or ever. We talk about this all the time. (laughs) But uh, Julie F., Bikini, I hope I'm saying that right, or at Neptune Moon on Twitter, posted a screenshot that she took from the Google Ads recommendations panel, and it suggested adding structured snippets to her ads, which is a good suggestion if it makes sense for maybe. you. Yeah, maybe. If she wants them. If it makes sense Julie for you. Julie wants the structured snippet, snippet extensions. She can have them. Yeah. Well, but- Julie knows what they are, by the way. <laughs> oh, she does. Oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> What she noted and what made her mad and what made a lot of people on Twitter mad is that the recommendation came along with a little note. All their recommendations do. They tell you why they're recommending it to you. But this one said that it was because similar advertisers, including, and then they named a specific competitor, use these. And on one hand, I appreciate the competitive insight. But on the other hand, I don't want somebody telling my competitors what I'm doing. I just don't. Maybe you should... Read Aaron Wall's article yeah. <laughs> from earlier in the show. Yeah, so it's not great. I don't hang out in the recommendations tab too often. So I did go in there and check, and I'm seeing this as well. And there were two competitors listed in, in one of my recommendations. So it was like double the force. Anyway, a lot of people on Twitter are like, well, mom, you know, so-and-so is doing it, so why can't I? And they're comparing it to that, and I just think that that's funny. I'm, I'm going to stay positive. It's, it's getting you? harder to be positive. I know this one. But I'm going to stay positive. positive. Yeah? Yes. Do you have anything positive to say or are you just going to abstain? <laughs> no, I have, I, have, I have nothing positive to say about this. I'm with you. You don't need to share my information with people. No. Give people credit for understanding what's happening. And if not, have some more tutorials. Maybe you have a testing or training center or test that is up to date within the past two years. <laughs> every time I take the tests, there's still an inaccurate question. Mm-hmm. I tweet out to them every time. Maybe work on educating people more and not scaring them. That's it. Amen. There. That was fairly uh, not negative. <laughs> no, I'm giving them suggestions. Yeah. Oh, you're making a recommendation? A recommendation. Oh, I wonder if any of their competitors are doing it. Well, yes. <laughs> that's they like that. So. <laughs> yes, Microsoft Advertising is doing the following. Not making recommendations that I don't want about my competitors. Maybe you should do the same. Boom. All right. On to something cool. <laughs> YouTube is pushing augmented reality ads, which is cool, right? I feel like we need like a, not a laugh track, but like a ooh sound effect. Yeah, it's cool for normal people. I'm too old for all this stuff, I think. I don't know. Well, maybe it's not something that you would use, but... It's pretty cool. I'm going to describe to you that what's going on so far because I could see how this would maybe get out of hand and be useless for some folks, but it could be really fun. So they announced last week that brands will be able to soon start using augmented reality and creating YouTube ads. So not surprisingly, they started this with a test with the beauty industry. 
And okay. they partnered with this MAC could go, Cosmetics. This could go very poorly. It could. And that was what I, when I read this, I was reading this, the example they gave was that there was a makeup tutorial on YouTube and then users that were watching it could turn on this augmented reality feature and try on lipstick virtually, which sounds oh. terrible. Right. Like I was just thinking of, you know, when little kids get a hold of their mom's lipstick and they just smear it all over their face. I was expecting a visual like that. It actually looked really good. Okay. In the image. I'll have to test it out. I mean, <laughs> would my, you? My next batch, my next shipment. <laughs> would you? I mean, is there anything that you would could see yourself actually using this for? Yes. Yes? Yes. I kid you not. I am the, my body type is right in between two different sizes. And I want to know what the actual fit is on something. That's what I want. I want to know like how something actually fits. I want to see the specs on my body. All right. So like, like, is that big or is that small? You try on the outfit in the size. The size. I just care about mm. the fit. I want the fit. I want something like tailored to look exactly what it's going to be like. Oh, like. oh, that's too big. Instead of a large, I'm going medium. Or that's too small. I need to go to a large. That's what I want. That's what I would use. Start doing that. That's a great Free idea. recommendation, Google. <laughs> Unsolicited, Unsolicited advice. <laughs> Positive from yes, Greg. I, I yeah. think there's actually a, a lot of value here for certain applications. For sure. Others, not so much. And they didn't say how many people participated in this study, but of those that did, I think it was something like 30% of them actually used the feature. And then they spent, those people spent around 80 seconds. So it's more than a minute actually trying on different lipsticks. Wait, wait, let me do the math. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's more than a minute by 20 seconds. So they didn't say anything in the article about how many people actually hit the shop call to action button and bought the stuff, but the engagement is out there. The applications are, could, could be practical in some instances, like Greg going shopping. So if you want in, it's going to be open up to other brands later this summer. You just have to be using YouTube's influencer marketing program, FameBit. I know we're all part of oh, that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so Great. Get on that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I use that on my burner phone. And your <laughs> Yeah. Are those still things, burner phones? <laughs> I don't know. Like a, a what are they? Jitterbug. A jitterbug or a track phone? Burner phones? I don't know about the jitterbug. Track phone, I think, is still there. Jitterbug is for older folks. That's where I keep FameBit, jitterbug. <laughs> I don't think a jitterbug could access the internet. Mine can. <laughs> okay, you're so positive. I don't know what to do with you today. <laughs> Let's talk about Microsoft advertising. They have new metrics coming. They announced earlier this week that they're launching new what they call prominence metrics. They'll replace what was formerly called their share of voice metrics in their platform. I like that name. Prominence? It's very positive. <laughs> the prominence metrics. I mean, it certainly describes exactly what it is because we're talking things like top impression share. We need to make share, that in our client reports. What? Prominence? prominence metrics. Yeah. Here's the prominence section. I mean. <laughs> top impression share. Here are the times you've trumped everybody else and promenaded around. You sound like the Queen of England with no accent. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just, no, I just like that. It seems very proper. Prominence metrics. It's yeah. good. I like it too. I think it makes sense. It describes exactly what it is. And uh, there are a whole bunch that they're adding. They're going to more closely mirror what Google Ads has. The only thing is that they're taking away some of their older metrics that don't make sense. But unlike Google, Microsoft is not taking away average position because they said their users found it helpful. Thank you, Microsoft. Right? We love that. Yeah. Until then, they start copying and putting carousels in, and then we wow. don't have average position anymore, and then they're going to have to get rid of that. But for now, thank you, yeah. Microsoft Advertising. And in all honesty, they have to give us those metrics. It still makes sense Google for... Google is still the biggest game yeah. in town, and if people are reporting on that and have to report on that, guess what? Microsoft Advertising has to have done this change for these prominence metrics. <laughs> yes. So if you are reporting on any of these things for your clients, check them out in your Microsoft account. They're available now and make sure that you adjust your reports accordingly and add, add that fancy wording when you present it out loud. It can sound like the Queen of England. All right. Finally, they are introducing Nielsen DMA targeting for Cura ads. So in addition to the existing targeting that's by country, state, city, and zip, as of this past Monday, you can officially add those Nielsen DMAs or designated market areas to your targeting on Cura. So you mentioned before how innovative they are. This isn't something they made up, but it's great because it's something a lot of folks use on other platforms. So now you can be more consistent with your location targeting if that's something that you do. So always improving, Cura. Thanks for ending our paid lightning on a high note. And over to Positive Greg with non-paid. All right. And non-paid, we are starting on another high note. Woo! That's good today. And that's good in the past, as the Wayback Machine has added a changes feature. Jess, 
I love the Wayback Machine. It's pretty nice. It's amazing. It's a cool tool. That's one of the sites where, you know, Wikipedia, you land there and they're always like, hey, give us money. I'm like, ah, you don't need money. It's <laughs> just like text. And then I get to archive.org or the Wayback Machine and I want to give them money because their service is so amazing. And now they're allowing people to see changes that have occurred. So what you can do is you can enter a specific URL into the Wayback Machine, hit enter, and then click on the changes button under the URL box. That'll show a calendar and you can choose two different snapshots and compare the two. That's awesome. So if you had a problem during a specific time, you see a big traffic drop, you see something, maybe it's a new client, you can look roughly at that time period and compare and contrast. That is really awesome. And if you're often needing to dig into things like this, we have something else for you, so stay tuned. But that's really amazing because I use the Wayback Machine all the time. <sighs> I also was clued in yesterday to all the other features that archive.org has. Like there's an insane amount of like Grateful Dead live music that has been matched up. I, you laugh, but this is the example that was given to me and there was like 27,000 live shows uploaded there and like remastered. Crazy pants. There's so much content on this okay. site beyond the Wayback Machine. People should explore it. I just never had. You know, it's wild. Okay. Can you see like changes from the lyrics? Like if they messed one up? No, I don't think that they... Well, they got to bring that over to... <laughs> I don't to think they have that feature. There. <laughs> Next up, Twitter will now hide but not remove harmful tweets from public figures. What does this mean, you ask? That's a great question. Yeah, what, is, what does I this mean? I had to go exploring to figure out the exact extent of it. And it's actually complicated. So basically... <laughs> Twitter is saying that their highest priority is to protect the health of the public conversation on Twitter. Their highest priority. I can attest to that because they don't try on ads. <laughs> so I can attest to that. I'm giving them credit. I'm being positive. Yep. So they said, in the past, we've allowed certain tweets that violated our rules to remain on Twitter because they were in the public's interest. But it wasn't clear when and how we made those determinations. To fix that, we are introducing a new notice. It will provide additional clarity in these situations, sharing more on when and why we'll use it. So basically, there were tweets that prominent government officials had put out that were in violation of their rules, yet remained. And so people had a big backlash saying, mm -hmm. hey, let's get this person off of Twitter because they're making these bad tweets. And Twitter's thought was like, hey, the public needs to see this stuff. They're right. an elected official. I'm not just going to hide this or get rid of it. Like, they made this statement. I need people to see it. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Which makes sense. Yeah. Problem is Twitter obviously is in the process of removing tweets. It's not really freedom of speech there. It's Twitter has their own ability to remove whatever they don't like. And so now if you're a government official you will get this notice where you cannot see the tweet until you click through and then you can view it and <laughs> oh hang on let me just stay positive here okay Hold um, on. so this only works for a few accounts first off the account must be a must be or represent a government or elected official must be somebody running for public office or be considered for a government position they must have more than a hundred thousand followers and they must be verified. Verified. Yes. Okay. okay. We're going to get to that in a second. Okay. I'll hold. So that is number one. It's <laughs> <laughs> so the number two, a cross-functional team, including trust and safety, legal, public policy, and regional teams will determine if this is going to get the notice on it or not. If it is for one of these accounts that's deemed to be um, in the public interest, let's say. Uh, if the notice is applied to the tweet, then the tweet won't show up on safe search, on the timeline when searched to top tweets. It won't be on the live events pages. It won't be a recommended tweet push notification. It won't be in the notification tab, and you won't find it in Explore. So it's kind of deprioritized, let's say. Okay. So if there's – do you understand all that? It's very hard yeah, to explain. Yeah, it just it, – basically, in a nutshell, they're not – taken down tweets that violate their rules, but they're hiding them. Or they're no, just, putting they're a not, notice on They're them. not making them prominent. Yeah, yes. they're hidden so behind a notice. you're going to have to kind of opt into these. You have to like say, no, I want to yes. see this. And yeah. so The Verge is where this article came from. And one of the funny things that I thought 
was that the content in question was our current president, Donald Trump, was in the WWE wrestling somebody that happened in real life. It was on the WWE wrestling somebody, tackled somebody outside of the ring, a wrestling match. Um, and <laughs> I didn't know about this. <laughs> yes. I can't make things up anymore. It's no, just you can't. all real. <laughs> it's all real now. And then, so the person's head was turned into CNN. And so they were saying that that is against the rules because the Verge was saying it could be against the rules because an event that happened in the WWE is directed towards fake news and a person's head had a logo that so that was something that was against the rules. That is very specific. I, you know what I thought? I thought it was a bad meme. Right. But no, it was against the rules. So I guess <laughs> bad memes are against the rules. You might Only be good missing memes. out on some bad memes. Secondly, <laughs> If you recall, this is only eligible for people that are government officials or running for office or elected, have 100,000 followers, and are verified. Mm -hmm. Jess, <laughs> for a long time now, Twitter is not accepting verified accounts anymore. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm, I'm I... trying to stay positive, but I'm about to break. Yeah. Because the minute you have verified accounts, and this is coming from somebody that's verified. I was going to say, Big you are verified. <laughs> if people have verified accounts and other people can't get them, get rid of them all. Right. You can't have verified accounts if you don't allow verification of new people. Especially if you're running for office, you wouldn't be verified yet if you're new on the scene, right? Uh, well, <laughs> don't If you can't verify people, don't have verified accounts. It's that easy. Fair enough. Or don't make be it a criteria at minimum for this, right? Or just don't have them at all if you don't verify people. So anyway, if you're trying to get into this, good luck. Because <laughs> the verification program is currently on hold. And has been for quite a while, for as long as I can remember here in 2019. And I believe in 2018. But you know what? I'm going to go to the Wayback Machine and find see out. that change was made. Nice. So anyway, if you nice. see a notice from a governmental figure, you're going to have to opt in. Great. Okay. <laughs> okay. So... Let's keep going with censorship as Facebook's news feed changes downrank on misleading health information and dangerous cures. Sounds scary. <laughs> it does sound scary. The example in the article is scary too. What was the example? That uh, drinking bleach oh, does bleach not, in fact, one? yeah, cure <sighs> your insides. Yeah, no duh. <laughs> Might do harm. <sighs> anyway, go on. Okay. Stay positive. So last month, Facebook made these changes. So they occurred last month, and we'll just assume June. Um, and the updates were to reduce posts with exaggerated or sensational health claims. <laughs> okay. And posts attempting to sell products or services based on health-related claims. Okay. Okay. So for the first update, if a post about health exaggerates or misleads let's say making a sensational claim about a miracle cure, mm. not going to be allowed. It's going to be downranked, so it's going to have less visibility. It will be allowed, it's just going to have less visibility. Okay. Second update. If a post promotes a product or service based on a health-related claim, then it's going to be downranked. So again, example, promoting a medication or pill claiming to help you lose weight. Okay? Okay. So just a quick question, Jess. You heard the explanation. I'm going to give you a quiz here. Oh, all right. Quiz me. Let's say I have a new invention. I've got a fat freezing procedure. It's a non-surgical way I can reduce all the fat, kind of like liposuction, but just freeze it by cooling your fat cells that resist efforts through diet and exercise. Should that be allowed? I don't... Um... No, I guess. Is okay, it, how does because it you're saying it promotes a product or service on a health-related claim. Yeah, one that I don't think you can prove, but I don't know how you would know that. Well, I got that information <laughs> from Facebook's ad <gasps> success. No! It's a client called Cool Sculpting. Oh, I've heard of this. Facebook has them listed in the success pages for <gasps> advertisers. You can go there by going to forward slash business, forward slash success, forward slash cool sculpting. Wow, that's a real thing. That's no Jasper's market. That's a real product. Right. So my issue is you start doing this. That's a very broad statement. Mm. A post promotes a product or service based on a health-related claim. Huh? Huh? 
That's like a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> it covers a lot. I mean, that's like just calm down and drink this tea, right? I mean, okay. you could take it that far if you wanted. Yes. So now let's say I've got a product and let's say I'm I'm going to get into working out and try to get a lot of other folks into there. And I've got a new benchmark product which fuels your mind and body and prepares you for intense workouts and burns fat simultaneously. No, not allowed. The train says no. The train beep, no. Also, we got two <laughs> no's over there. And that is allowed, I guess, on ads. It's part of the ad success examples that Facebook gave for a client called Muscle Blaze. Muscle Blaze? Muscle Blaze is the um, top supplement provider in India. And I went to the Muscle Blaze homepage. Product that they had on there was uh, pre-workout ripped raspberry lemonade. And that is how you they market this. <laughs> it sounds delicious. So apparently... <laughs> You can advertise for this still, or at least they are touting mm. the success of these efforts. Mm -hmm. Well, not anymore. They're not going to be very successful if they're downplayed. Well, my question is, if this is really the case, this should apply to advertisers as well. This cannot just apply to the newsfeed organic. It just, that is intrinsically wrong. It's yeah. wrong, and that cool sculpting example immediately contrasts with what we're talking about here. When you read that first mention, post with exaggerated health claims or sensational health claims, how do you know health? Like, how do you, you know? Don't. How does Facebook know? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. The guideline and the USDA, fats used to be like the dangerous thing at the top of the period right. to use sparingly. You know, the newest healthy eating style says that you can have up to 35% of your total calories per day from fat. Wonderful. So, but 2004, that wouldn't be the case. That would have been possibly exaggerated or sensational. You know, we used to say that smoking was good for you, that bloodletting <laughs> is a cure, that lobotomies can help with mental illness. Mm, leeches? That, you got leeches on your list? <laughs> no, I don't, but I, I'll put that on that <laughs> list. So anyway, I just uh. see this as being very problematic with censoring things yeah. because it's really hard to know like what health information is real and what's sensational. Especially if you can go ahead and just give them money and then show up anyway. There you That's go. the crux of that. If you're not going to be negative, I will. Yeah, and go freeze some fat. All right. <laughs> and a new stories sticker is coming to Instagram that will ask your followers to join a new group <laughs> chat. Instagram stories, my favorite. <laughs> has a new feature called, wait for it, the chat sticker. Ooh, aptly named. <laughs> Where <laughs> you can have a link and anybody that reads your stories can click through and get to a group chat to discuss. So you might say, hey, grammars, let's check out my, my dinner plans. Where do you want to go? When you said that, I thought you meant grammars like you're addressing your grandmother. I was. Like, sup, grammars. Uh -oh. well, you chat. thought Instagrammers. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of uh, how Hope addresses her Instagram followers. I don't know that I've ever heard Hope say the word grammars. <laughs> Hope, what do you call your Instagram followers? Your flock? Or that's Twitter, your flock. Nothing? Nothing? Just your, your friends, your pals? Tweeps? <laughs> Oh. Oh. The hopelets. Oh. That's, yeah. The hopefuls. Hopefuls. There we go. <laughs> that's All right. adorable. The hopefuls. I don't, I like that they said in the article, this feature seems designed for people who interact with their real friends on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like a thing that, that they don't think anybody does anymore? That just made me so sad. No, I just <laughs> augment reality them and put them in the room and so send sad. them stickers. That's so sad. All right. Well, speaking of more sad news, <laughs> Joy Hawkins over at Sterling Sky has seen that many businesses are losing reviews each day in their local review listings recently. Not cool. So if you see that, it is a known issue. Good news on Wednesday, Google had a little doodle where you could play baseball, though. That works. Oh, that's, I mean, that's important. Yep. For people, their five-star reviews highlighting their oh, no, how wonderful can, their business is. We don't need that. Check it out. Yeah. May, July 3rd. You can play baseball <laughs> on the doodles. <laughs> that brings us to our real-life segment. Straight out of our accounts and into your ear it's holes. It's time for 
Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what is going on in our IRL work. Good, bad, or otherwise this week. Jess, what's happening with your accounts lately? Um, well, being that a, it's a holiday week and we're trying to be positive here, I thought I would just have a, a positive thing from a client relations standpoint. Speaking of holidays, do you know where the Declaration of Independence was signed? Philadelphia? At the bottom. <laughs> That's so stupid. I think we lost her, folks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you look that one up or what? All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> so you want to talk about clients while I'm still, I've still got my composure? Yes, yeah, so I'll talk about clients. And <laughs> okay. this week, I was setting up some custom intent audiences. I was actually having Maggie, our intern, help me with some audience setup in Google Ads. We were trying to take some custom intent audiences that we had made for display going off of a bunch of terms and then domains and just reusing those for YouTube as that would make sense. Custom intent audiences, are, you can make your own and you can just mm -hmm. throw in a bunch of terms or a bunch of domains and try to target people that have been actively searching or researching for that. Um, and for YouTube, we couldn't find them anywhere. And maybe I'm just dumb or behind but you cannot use domains in YouTube. You can only use what people have been searching for on Google search or what people may have looked up on Google search, I believe is the phrasing of it. So you can't use domains in your custom intent audiences on YouTube. And I was like, well, let's just make one custom intent audience that is just terms and we can use it for display and YouTube. Can't do that either. Nope. I didn't know that. You no. knew that, obviously. I knew that one. I didn't know about the domains, but I knew you can't share. It's really stupid because you can't share. Yes. But I don't, I don't okay. know. Okay. So that's that's mine is that you just have to remake them in YouTube and there's no way around it. That's a bummer. I guess save your work somewhere else. Um, mine's quick now that I'm, <laughs> I'm back here. Uh, just something that I often forget exists, but it's so handy and I'm trying to get more in the habit of it's email scheduling because I tend to, you know, work a little bit later in the evening once everybody leaves i can get so much done and then i'm like oh shoot i forgot to send this email and i really don't want to bother clients at you know 8 39 o'clock i also don't necessarily want them to know i'm still working <laughs> 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 so uh just something again there's i used to have to use boomerang for this but now gmail or like has this built in you can just schedule emails so you can write them you know even if it's three in the morning and just schedule them to send out at 9 30 in the morning it's perfect. It's just, again, I think people probably know about this, but it's something that I forget about all the time and I'm really trying to use it more so that I'm not, you know, making people's phones buzz while they're out having, you know, drinks with their family. So that's awesome. it. Awesome. And now it's time for this week's WTH. And this week's WTH comes from nine to five Mac and many other locations across the web called FaceTime Eye Contact Correction in iOS 13 uses ARKit. And <laughs> in case you don't know what's happened, in iOS 13 beta 3, FaceTime will now correct your eye contact. So when you are looking at your phone, mm -mm. most of the time you're just drawn to the screen. You're not looking at the little pinhole in the, for the camera. Right. Makes sense. So what iOS is doing now is correcting your own eyeballs and displaying them to the other side as if you're actually looking at the camera. So They're wild. changing your face. They are. We have a picture of it too for anyone who's watching the video. <laughs> if you're not, if you're listening. It is it's, worth looking. It's worth looking. It's in the show notes. It's the, the featured image in the article. It's wild. It looks pretty real. I have a problem with the term correction though because I feel like in this case it makes sense because you're looking at the camera instead of the screen so there is that correction aspect. But what if I just really don't want to look at you? Don't correct my eyeballs. They're where I put them. I don't know. It's weird to me. I'm, I'm with you. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know if it's just an like old me here. No. Nah, it's weird. If I'm looking at a spot that's where I'm looking, man. Right. Like, I'm let me look at the there. camera. Exactly. Yeah. If I'm going to look, I'll look right at the camera and hope will yell at me and right. say, hey, it's don't look at the camera. Don't do correct it. It's so weird. Tell me to look at the camera. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't like the manipulation of my face sending it out to yeah. another 
face without my consent. Incredibly so. awesome technology. Yeah, that should be something very, to turn on. Very, very cool. Yeah. Can you turn it on and You know off? what? I didn't research that enough. <laughs> you might be able to. I was too creeped out. Yeah, I don't know. I But it definitely looks weird. It looks too real. It's. I mean, they did a really good job with it. But yeah, it's kind of freaky. Kind of freaky. WTH. That brings us to this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And what we found this week is a tool called FluxGuard, and it's a handy way to monitor and track changes to any website. So that is what we were talking about earlier in the show. This will give you email alerts as well, letting you know when there was a change as well as what it was. So you don't necessarily have to go back and dive in. They'll actually email you and let you know. It does also have an archive feature, so you have points of reference throughout time, and it's pretty sweet. It's great for people who manage a site along with maybe some other folks who might be making changes. It's also good if you have a client that routinely makes changes and maybe forgets to clue you in on such. So there's it's a paid tool, but there is a free version. You can monitor up to 75 pages at no charge. So check it out at fluxguard.com. All right. And that brings us to our must-read marketing article of the week, an article so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's article comes from Jessica Foster, an SEO content writer and content marketing strategist at Keys and Copy, and this can be found on Search Engine Land. The name of the article is Why It's Worth Targeting Keywords with No to Low Monthly Search Volume. Jessica runs through why people many times overlook small keywords with small volume really is what she means there. And as a side note, I get this all the time. People Mm -hmm. are like, well, there's nothing there. There's not a ton of volume. And it's like, all you need is five people. Yeah, you want those people. And and you're fine. But anyway, she talks about that in detail in a way (laughs) that, again, goes over more detail than we have here. Uh, She talks about the high value of those low volume terms, the benefits of targeting low, low volume terms, even eight tips for targeting for SEO. My favorite that we do a lot here is number seven, testing conversions with PPC. So that's a great one. Um, and just it's, it's a great item for people who are have that challenge and are like, let's just go after the big ones. No. No. Listen to Jessica on this. And I added another must read marketing article of the week. Oh, for the Slow News Week. Yes. This one comes from Glenn Gabe over at G Squared Interactive. And it's called Google's Core Algorithm Updates and the Power of User Studies How Real Feedback from Real People Can Help Site Owners Surface Website Quality Problems. And I added this in because these two articles are things that are just common sense and good, helpful information at any time mm-hmm. that people should listen to. And Glenn talks about uh, the most recent. A core ranking update, but it was not really about that. It's about how do you do user testing to make sure your pages are of value and are providing, again, a service that people want and that are being valuable. That's what we want, right? Nice. And yes. so he explained that you need to gain objective feedback from real users. And one thing that was just a great reference from him is a link from a, a 2011 article uh, from Amit Singhal over at Google. And it was right after Panda had happened, I believe. And he had put out a list of questions, 23 different questions that you should ask yourself if you saw yourself being hit with this penalty. Hmm. And it's very simple questions like, is there value to these pages? All these different things. And Glenn referenced it again. And he talks about the process that he goes through when he's doing testing. And he looks at those specific questions. And he also talks about these platforms. I believe he used usertesting.com as his platform of choice, but the features and the user panel and how to actually do testing on your site. He's got at the end, he finishes up with a bunch of testing tips and recommendations. So if you actually want testing help, or if you've got a problem on any of these core ranking updates that people seem to not be getting extracting value from your site, or you think Google doesn't see it, that people are extracting value, testing. Check out this article over at G Squared Interactive. Uh, Can't recommend it enough. Thank you, Glenn. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Jess, do you know what the Statue of Liberty stands for? Um... (laughs) I'm trying to think of what the joke is. She stands for everything. She's stuck that way. 
Yep, because you can't sit down. <laughs> and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And now it's time for this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. And this week, we're playing everybody's favorite game after a July 4th holiday <laughs> called Is It American? Ooh. And as you recoup and recover from your 4th of July, I'm going to ask Jess if something is American or not. Simple yes, no questions. Yeah. This Simple. is easy. I'm going to nail this. Chocolate chip cookies. No. Incorrect. What? Very American. I thought it was a trick question. No. What's the definition of America? Like invented here? I don't know. I just use, use goofy little websites that are probably inaccurate. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Apple pie. Yes. Incorrect. 0 for 2. What? Apple pie dates back to the ancient Greeks and Romans and typically stuffed with meat and seafood. That's not an apple pie. That's a meat pie. It's You're going to have to talk pie. to the Huffington Post about that, ma'am. I will. Okay, 0 for 2. <laughs> Next up, peanut butter. Mm, I'm going to go with no. Correct. Yes. Peanut butter first came from the ancient empires of South America. Really? Yes. Were they stomping peanuts over there? They're buttering them. That's all I know. <laughs> all right. Budweiser. Ooh, no. Correct. German. German. Right? Yeah. I shouldn't ask you a beer question. Well, Budweiser sounds German. It's very American now. It does. But... But did you know they changed the name to America at one point, right? Wasn't did they? That? I think so. I think you you're might the be beer right. person. I don't know. I'm not like a Budweiser person. Oh, you're not. I'm not anti Budweiser. I'll drink it, not Bud Light, but Bud regular. Bud heavy. Bud heavy. All right. <clears throat> okay. Rodeos. Uh, definitely not. Correct. Yes. Came from Mexico. You're three and two, so you're in the good. Three out of five. All right. So far. Okay. I'm winning. <laughs> Next up, the Ferris wheel. Yes, it was invented in the America's Fair in Chicago, or the World's Fair in Chicago. Yes, by Tim Ferriss, correct. Yes. That, that, that's a joke. I read that in a book. But it is correct. So yeah. you are four out of six here. Very American so far, I give you. All right, next up, jazz. Yes, New Orleans. Incorrect. What? Jazz is considered to be one of the earliest displays of African music on American soil and carried on for decades. Television. Definitely American. Incorrect. What? Where's it from? Television is from... Wait, let me guess. Canada. <laughs> according, again, this is according to the HuffPost, so who knows? <laughs> but would contribute to the technological development of TV in Russia around 1910 between Boris Rosing and a student, Vladimir Zworkin. Hmm, I'm surprised that student got any credit. Students usually get no credit. Okay, and last up here... Something that you talked about earlier. Oh. Email. Email. Well, I'm going <laughs> to just go with AOL, America Online. I know that that's not email. I'm going to go with yes. Do you know that America Online is actually Swedish? No, it's not. I just made what? that up. <laughs> so, you know, you're very convincing, but there's no way. <laughs> Correct. Woo! Email is American. So, Jess, you win. I win. Happy birthday, America. Belated. All right. And we will see you next week. <laughs>